Welcome to the podcast for Salem Baptist Church, where the senior pastor is Reverend Dr. Selwyn Q. Bacchus. Salem is located at 3131 Lake Street in Omaha, Nebraska, 68111. This podcast has been created as a mobile companion to your engagement with Salem. Whether you use it to listen to a service you are unable to attend or to revisit a sermon, we pray that this podcast will serve as a source of motivation and connection to a word-centered and spirit-led church that cares about your journey. Be sure to turn on your alerts as we deliver a variety of content to you. Don't miss out on church services, interactive Bible studies, and special interviews all here on Salem's podcast. Share the podcast with a friend or family member. Listen as you have your morning coffee, daily exercise, or travel to work. No matter when you are listening, we pray this episode blesses you.
Good morning, Salem. To those of you in the sanctuary, in the virtual sanctuary, we would like to invite you to worship. We'd like to invite you to stand now at this time. How many are happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? How many are thankful to serve a great, great God? Psalms 98 reads as follows. Sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm has worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of a ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord, the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for the opportunity to be in your house and to worship you. We ask that you are worshiped in spirit and in truth, and that you get all the glory, all the praise, and all the honor. We'll lift all these things up to you in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together for Jesus this morning. We're glad to be in the house of the Lord. We believe in the power of Jesus Christ. How many are grateful to be in God's house this morning? Well, come on, let's show some sign of how excited we are to be in God's house. Come on. We believe in the name of Jesus. Has all power in his hand. Oh, 
Salem family, it's now time for prayer. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2 reads as follows. Therefore, I exert first of all that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all of those who are in authority, that we might lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and reverence. Church family, as we pray this morning, we want to keep our leaders in our prayer, those serving at the federal, state, and local level. We also want to keep on our hearts those hospitalized, Sister Regina Mitchell, Brother Steve Hawthorne. We also want to keep on our hearts those on our prayer list. And look, the Lord has been exceptionally good to us because there's several people on this prayer list that have been released from the hospital and are now in the comforts of their home. We want to pray for Sister Kim Anthony, Sister Aqua Cooper, released from the hospital now at home, Sister Teria Foster, Sister Beverly Frazier, released from the hospital and now at home, Sister Johnny Gilliam, Sister Kit Johnson, Sister Linda McClenney, released from the hospital and now at home, Sister Valeria Middlebrook, Sister Felicia Thompson, released from the hospital and now at home, Sister Felicia Watson, released from the hospital and now at home. Sister Ethel Williams, Sister Brother John Atkins, Brother Keith Redden, released from the hospital and now at home. Also, we want to keep on our hearts those that are, have bereaved members of their family, Sister Katie and Ezil Henderson, and the loss of their niece, Joanne Henderson. Sister Katie Lofton and the loss of her brother-in-law, Elmer Darby. Family, let's go before the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you just for the privilege of being able to come before you. That your son Jesus sits at your right hand and intercedes on our behalf. We thank you for sending him down as grace over 2,000 years ago to offer us salvation in you. And what a great and so sweet salvation that is. We praise you, Jehovah. We praise you, Yahweh, because of what you do, how you bless us each and every day, how every day we have grace and mercy brand new, how you love us, how even when we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, how when we we're enemies of the cross, yet you loved us and sent your son to save us. So we lift you up this morning and we thank you when we just praise your name. You are worthy of our praise. In fact, if you were to do nothing else, just simply because of who you are, you are worthy of our worship. We are created to worship you, so we are so thankful this morning to be able to worship you, to be able to lift up your hand, to be able to come before you with all of our burdens, all of our issues, no matter how small, no matter how big, and just say thank you. We acknowledge you as the great physician, the king of kings, the lords of Lord. We thank you so much. Thank you for loving us. And not only did you love us, but you teach us how to love others. Help us with the same love that you have reached down vertically to help us to touch those horizontally. We thank you that you created a church, your called out ones, your ecclesia, that's able to touch the community, that's able to share your message to everyone around us. We, we are so thankful that your son spread the gospel message to those 12 disciples, and from those 12 disciples, we have what we have today, and it's the church worldwide. 
Bless your church today, Father, both locally and universally, that your word will continue to go out, that you will continue to touch lives, that you will continue to help us to be an impact in this dark, dark world. We thank you that we have ultimate victory in you. We thank you that every pain, every sin, every problem, every grief will one day be no more. When we're in your presence, singing holy, holy, holy. On that day when there'll be a new heaven and a new earth, and there will be no sun because all we need is the radiance that comes from your Shekinah glory. We thank you and we look forward to that day. We also thank you that we have victory in you right now, that we have a joy, a peace that comes from living in you right now. That for those of us who have Christ hidden in us, that we have a joy and a peace right now, that eternity starts right now, the moment that we believe. And so as we go through all of our situations and all these problems in this world, Lord, continue to remind us that we have victory in you, that we have joy and peace because of our hope in you. Lord, we lift up the prayer list this morning. We ask that you continue to touch those on it, continue to touch those not on it. And we are so thankful for all those that you've allowed to be released from the hospital and make it home. But Lord, we're still praying that you would continue to bless them, heal them, touch them, be with their families, provide comfort and peace. Lord, bless our worship service, preach to our pastor, prepare our hearts to hear from you, and bless us as we continue to worship you and lift you up because you are deserving of all our worship and all of our praise, not only in what we say, but how we live our lives. So we lift you up, we worship you, and we praise you, and we say all these things in the precious and the most matchless name of Jesus Christ. Amen. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord one more time? Glad to be able to worship him both in the sanctuary of the Salem Church and the virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church. And we praise God for that privilege and that honor. We are grateful that the Lord has allowed us to see another day's journey. Amen. The old saints would say he didn't have to do it, but he did. Amen. We praise God for each and every one of you very quickly. There are some things that we want to uh, address. We praise God that on yesterday, we had a wonderful, wonderful outreach here on the campus of the Salem Church. Amen. We gave out 200 gas gift cards in 14 minutes amen <laughs> they came and got them and got them fast and got gone amen but we praise god for uh, the leadership of our congregation for our staff and for our volunteers who made it possible and uh, we praise god for that that we're yet able because of your generosity uh, to continue to bless our community amen Amen. And uh, we praise God because, and please don't take this the wrong way, I didn't see a whole bunch of Salem members, which means we were blessed, able to reach out to those who are a part of our community. Amen. We remind you that beginning next Sunday, we are going to, through the month of August, have our casual Christian covered Sundays 
Amen. All three of those, casual, Christian, and covered. Amen. Montague, I saw a video of T.D. Jakes yesterday. Have you seen it? I'll send it to you. He was kind of addressing that. Somebody must have got under his skin. Amen. But we begin that on next Sunday. And then, as well, uh, we will... <clears throat> We have one uh, service, July and August, at 10 a.m., amen? Uh, one service at 10 a.m. through the months of July and August. And communion is going to be on the second Sunday of July um, because we have the holiday uh, that's so close to uh, that Sunday, so we'll be, to first Sunday, so we'll be having it on the second Sunday. And the date that the the tent, the deacons will be passing out the uh, the ninth uh, on Saturday the ninth, our deacons will be passing out the communion elements for those who have not rejoined us in person in face to face worship. Amen. Amen. I think that's it. All right. Amen. You have to rely on others when you start getting around my age because we'll begin to forget things. Amen. Uh, but we praise God for you, Salem, and for our ministry partners who have been uh, so good and so kind, so generous, so faithful in your stewardship uh, as the years have gone by. Corporate prayer this coming Wednesday at 630 uh, we will send out the Zoom link uh, in the next day or so that you can participate in that. Amen. We, again, thank you for your generosity, for your faithfulness, for your commitment to your stewardship that allows us to continue doing ministry in a marvelous way in the spirit of excellence here at the Salem Baptist Church. We remind you there are various platforms for those who are uh, watching us and sharing with us in uh, from <clears throat> virtual sanctuary of the Salem Church. You are able to uh, mail your tithe and offering here to the church Monday through Friday, 9 to 5. You're able to bring your tithe and offering here to the church office. Uh, you can give through our website, through PayPal, through Venmo, through Cash App, through Givelify, and you can text to give. And certainly, those who are present with us in the sanctuary first to face-to-face uh, you will be greeted by persons as you exit worship that will allow you to give your tithe and your offering. We share this affirmation. It is an affirmation of what we believe about giving here at the Salem Baptist Church. We plant good seed in good soil. And we will receive God's prosperity for our lives. We plant good seed in good soil. And we will receive God's prosperity for our lives. If you believe it, put your hands together and praise the Lord. We're going to ask our music and fine arts ministry to come at this time and lead us further in worship.
going to ask you to stand down in reverence to the word of God. Turn with us to the New Testament. The book of James. When you get to Hebrews, go a little bit further. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. James chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. The word of God reads, James, a bondservant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greetings. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete lacking nothing. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. The Lord's word is blessed. We talk today for a few minutes by the help of God and the Holy Spirit from this simple subject. Don't waste your trials. Don't waste your trials. It is suggested that James, who authored this letter, was the brother of Jesus. This is referred to in Matthew chapter 13, verse 55, and Mark chapter 6, verse 3. It's clear that at one time, James and the other brothers of Jesus did not believe that he was the Savior. It says so in John chapter 7, Verses 1 through 5 says this. After these things, Jesus walked in Galilee, for he did not want to walk in Judea because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at at hand. His brothers therefore said to him, Depart from here and go into Judea, that your disciples also may see the works that you are doing. For no one, sarcastically, no one does anything in secret while he himself seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, show yourself to the world. For even his brothers did not believe him. Thankfully, as Paul suggests, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 7, James believed on the Lord Jesus. He grew in his faith so greatly that he was an early leader of the Jerusalem church. The historian Eusebius records in the testimony of Hagisippus that James used to enter into the temple and be found kneeling and praying for forgiveness for the people. So much so that his knees grew hard like a camel's 
because of his constant worship of God, kneeling and asking forgiveness for the people. So from his excessive righteousness, he was called James the Just. He writes this letter as he says in his opening salutation and greeting to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad. This very likely means this letter was meant for Jewish Christians living outside of Palestine. This letter was not intended for one specific church, but was to be passed around among various local assemblies. And James opens this letter addressing a universal condition that is experienced whether you are a believer in Jesus Christ or not. In life, you will face trials. Now let us first take into account the definition of trial. In its original language, the low, neater Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament based on semantic domains, domains defines this word in this manner. To try to learn the nature or character of someone or something by submitting such to thorough and extensive testing, to test, to examine, to put to the test. Does that sound like some of our trials? The reality is you will face trials. Some have been fooled, misled, and hoodwinked into believing that just because you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that trials don't know your address, your email, or your phone number. Truth is, trials show up in everyone's life. You can try to dodge them, avoid them, and elude them, but like the old saying goes, you can run. Y'all have heard it before, but you can't hide. No matter how strong your faith, no matter how long you've been a member of the church, no matter how many scriptures you can quote, trials are experienced by everyone. Trials are like a Steph Curry three-point shot. They can hit from any distance. The comforting and calming reality is we don't have to trek, travel, or traverse the trials by yourself. You have an ever-present Savior that will always be with you. He's a friend that sits closer than a brother. Andrew Murray is quoted in uh, the book, Though the Mountain Shake, Mountain Shake by Amy Carmichael as saying this, first, he brought me here. It is by his will I'm in this straight place. And that fact, I will rest. Next, he will keep me here in his love and give me grace to behave as his child. Then he will make the trial a blessing, teaching me the lessons he intends me to learn and working in me the grace he means to bestow. Last, in his good time, he can bring me out again, 
how and when he knows. Let me say I am here by God's appointment in his keeping under his training for his time. Child of God, because of that, you should not waste the trials you face. Ultimately, with the Lord's help, you're able to use your trials for your good. And the first thing we must be aware of in this text is that you will face multiple trials. Do not be deceived or deluded. In the course of your life, you will face multiple trials, and on many occasions, multiple trials at the same time. Seems as if the trials we face have conversations about what year, what month, what week, and what day they're going to manifest themselves. So they can all ring your doorbell at the same time. Seems at times that they are coordinated, orchestrated, synchronized, and organized. As I've said before, your faith may seem strong enough to handle one trial at a time. Perchance, strong enough to handle two trials. Ah, oh, but when the third one shows up. Listen to what verse 2 says. It says, my brother, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. In a Greek-English lexicon of the New Testament and other early Christian literature, the third edition, it attributes this definition of the word various in its original language, pertaining to existence in various kinds or modes, diversified, manifold. Now, you know what that means in the Bacchus version of this verse? It means... A lot, a whole lot. Uh, as Dr. James Henry Harris, my second year preaching professor would say, there are a plethora of trials. And the definition of various I shared with you earlier, various and diversified, what, what does that mean? Trials don't just come at you in one form or fashion. It may be your family or your job or your boo or your children or your church just coming from every side and in every manner. It reminds me of a couple of humorous illustrations I read. The first said, uh, the doctor said to his patient, I have bad news and I have worse news. So the patient said, well, let's have it. And the doctor says, the bad news is that you only have 24 hours to live. The patient said, I cannot imagine what could be worse than that. And the doctor said, I forgot to tell you yesterday. <laughs> Just trials everywhere. The, the second illustration is this. 
And it pertains particularly to those multiple trials that show up at one time. The illustration says, you can tell it's going to be a rotten day when you wake up face down on the pavement. You call the suicide prevention and they put you on hold. You see a 60 Minutes news team waiting in your office. Your birthday cake collapses from the weight of the candles. You turn on the news and they're showing emergency routes out of the city. Your twin sister forgot your birthday. Your car horn goes off accidentally and remains stuck as you follow a group of hell's angels on the highway. Your boss tells you to not bother to take your coat off. The bird singing outside your window is a buzzard. You wake up and your braces are locked together. You call your, in, uh, your answering service and they tell you it's none of your business. Uh, your income tax refund check bounces. You put both contact lenses in the same eye. Uh, your wife says, good morning, Bill and your name is George. Just a little bit of everything. That's how trials are at times, just from every direction. James says you will experience various trials. So the text suggests you will face multiple trials. But it also suggests you can manage your trials. Now, I know it will sound a little crazy and cracked up, but James gives us the key to managing our trials. Now, I said earlier, the definition of trial in the text is to try to learn the nature or character of something, someone or something by submitting uh, such to thorough and extensive testing, to test, to examine, to put to the test. And yet James gives us the key to manage our trials. I know you're not going to want to hear it, but it's there in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. James says the way to manage your trials is to count it all joy. I, I know on the surface that does not make sense. It's not realistic, it's not rational or reasonable. That's not the way we would all think to manage trials. And yet, we have to remember who we are. We are believers in Jesus Christ. You see, we operate with different rules and realities. We have to remind ourselves in the midst of our trials and tests, we do not face life as those who do not trust Jesus as Lord and Savior. Our response is not always rational or reasonable, especially when the rest of the world looks. You see, we understand some spiritual concepts that are not understood by those who do not trust the Lord Jesus. 
Now, I remind you, James is writing to Jewish Christians who are suffering trials, tests, and even persecution for their faith in Jesus Christ. Yet he sang, count it all joy. That's how you manage, James is saying, your trials. You see, sometimes we confuse the concepts of happiness and joy. We confuse the concepts of happiness and joy. As I've shared with you many times over this almost 17 years, happiness is dependent on external circumstances, situations, and stimuli. If your boo is treating you right, you're happy. If the bills are paid, you're happy. If the car doesn't break down, you're happy. If your boss is not flipping out and tripping, you're happy. If the doctor's diagnosis is positive, you're happy. If your children are obedient and respectful, you are happy. If all is well in life, you're happy. But when the circumstances and situation and external stimuli do not cooperate, your happiness is thrown out the window with the baby's bathwater. Because it's dependent on that which is external. That's the difference between happiness and joy. Joy is dependent, determined, and derived internally. It is dependent, determined, and derived from an internal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, you can count it all joy when you fall into various trials when you have that internal relationship with Jesus. That's why when you go home today, your family tries to rattle you by demeaning, disparaging, and degrading you, and you still hold your head up, that's because you count it all joy. That's why when you go to work on tomorrow and your coworkers and bosses denigrate you and conspire and set traps to cause you to fail, you can still smile and pray for them because you count it all joy. That's why the people that you uh, are managing are fussing and fighting and you stand back patiently until it's over, making sure you don't get in the middle of the mess. That's because you count it. Oh, joy. That's why when you find out the same people that smile in your face at church talk so bad about you when you're not around, you still treat them with respect and dignity because you realize as flawed and phony as they are, they are children of the Most High God, and they only talk about you because they want to be you. That's because... Counted all joy. In our Kent Hughes preaching the word, it says this as it relates to this text and trials. 
says, several years ago, the Presbyterian Pastor Lloyd John Ogilvie underwent the worst year of his life. His wife had undergone five major surgeries, plus radiation and chemotherapy. Several of his staff members had departed. Large problems loomed, and discouragement assaulted his feelings. But he wrote this. The greatest discovery that I have made in the midst of all the difficulties is that I can have joy when I can't feel it. Artesian joy, and I'm going to come back to that. When I had every reason to feel beaten, I felt joy. In spite of everything, God gave me the conviction of being loved and the certainty that nothing could separate me from him. It was not happiness, gush, or jolliness, but a constant flow of the Spirit through me. At, at no time did he give me the easy confidence that everything would work out as I wanted it on my timetable, but that he was in charge and would give me and my family enough courage each day. Grace, joy is always the result of that. I love the imagery that Pastor Lloyd John Ogilvie uses. Let, let me repeat it. The greatest discovery that I have made in the midst of all the difficulties is that I can have joy when I can't feel like it. Artesian joy. This shouts me because it is suggested that he's referring to an artesian aquifer. An artesian aquifer is an underground body of water that flows under such great pressure that it rises to the surface without digging, tunneling, or excavating. The pressure is just so high that it rises to the surface. And that's how Ogilvy speaks of the joy he experienced. The pressures of life, the trials of life cause his joy to rise to the surface. And you, could, you should seek to have an artesian joy that rises to the surface in the midst of trials, even in the midst of pressure. So manage your trials by counting it all joy. And depending upon that internal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so we see you will face multiple trials. You can manage your trials, but the text also suggests that you can maximize your trials. I'm telling you, don't waste your trials. Maximize your trials. Let your trials produce positive and constructive characteristics in your spiritual life. Maximize your trials. Don't come out of your trials the way you entered into them. Be better and not bitter. Be developed and not diminished. Be improved and not inferior. That's what James is seeking to communicate to us on today. Listen to the text again in verses 2 and 3. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. You can use your trials to build you into something better. Maximize your trials. These trials, these testings produce patience. That word patience can also be translated endurance or perseverance. It means the capacity to hold out, to bear up in the face of difficulty, endurance as to things or circumstances, fortitude, steadfastness, and the definition that shouts me is to remain under, bearing up under. It is the concept of carrying the load of your trial, not throwing in the tile, not giving up, not waving the white flag of surrender. So maximizing your trials means not collapsing under the weight of your trials. Holding on to the Lord's unchanging hand. And the truth is, maximizing your trials allows you to get through your current trial and knowing with blessed assurance you can bear the burden and bear up under the next one. Don't waste your trials. Our Kent Hughes says it this way, you develop toughness or fortitude, endurance by repeatedly being tested and prevailing. The more tests we pass, the tougher we become. He says, as a boxer engages in bout after bout, he toughens and becomes wiser and stronger. After a time, he develops such fortitude, perseverance, and staying power that he can take on the best. There is no way a fighter or any of us can develop toughness without testing. Oh, don't waste your trial. Maximize them to produce patience, endurance, perseverance. So the text suggests you will face multiple trials. You can manage your trials. You can maximize your trials. But it then says as well, you need to mature through your trials. A Chinese proverb says, the gem cannot be polished without friction, nor man perfected without trials. Mildred Witt Struven is quoted as saying in Bits and Pieces in 1991, a clay pot sitting in the sun will always be a clay pot. It has to go through the white heat of the furnace to become porcelain. You see, the friction and the heat of trials move you toward maturity. Listen once again as James speaks of this maturation process. My brethren, count it all joy 
when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, endurance, perseverance. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. That is the equation James proposes. You see, the word perfect in verse 4 does not mean sinless. It can be better translated as mature. And the word complete means whole. So James is saying your trials produce patience, endurance, and perseverance. And that endurance and perseverance will cause you to be mature and whole. Don't waste your trials and end up immature and incomplete. Let whatever trials you experience and encounter make you more mature. Allow your trials to grow you up. You can only do that if you learn to lean and depend on the Lord. I conclude by referring to the words of the great musician, vocalist, and lyricist that molded many of us in our younger Christian journey. That gentleman is... Andre Crouch. He said it this way, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been time I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. I've been a lot of places and I've seen a lot of faces and yet there's been times I've felt so all alone. But in my lonely hours, those precious lonely hours, Jesus let me know that I was his own. I thank God for the mountains. And I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he's brought me through. For if I've never had a problem, I wouldn't know that God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. Through it all, through it all, all of the trials, all of the tests, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Listen, don't waste your trials. Through it all, depend upon the Lord. You can stand. The doors of the church are open. The invitation is extended. Are you going to face trials, multiple trials?
And yet, you can make it through if you have the Lord on your side. You can only have him on your side if you trust him as your Lord and your Savior. Romans 10 reminds us if you believe in that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he died for the sins of the world, that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And so you have the opportunity to make that confession of faith on today, to give your life to the Lord, to have a companion through your trials in Jesus Christ. So if you're in the sanctuary, immediately follow the benediction. There will be deacons available to receive you into the family of faith. Or if you're watching or listening, you can call us at 402-455-1000, option three. There's someone waiting to hear your voice. Even now, we're praying that you would accept the Lord Jesus as Lord and Savior. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus, and I've learned to trust in God. Oh, through it someone has accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and as Savior. Immediately following the benediction, our ushers will escort you from the sanctuary. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we love you and we thank you on today uh, that your word teaches us and tells us to not waste our trials, that we can count it all joy even when we're going through various trials. Bless us to implement this word in our lives in the days, weeks, months, and years to come. And now unto him who's able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before his glory with exceeding great joy. To the only wise God be glory, dominion, and power both now and forever. And the people of God said together, amen and amen. And we yet believe the best season of your life is just ahead.